So welcome to episode four of the whatisyourworldview.com podcast. So the topic today is Catholic pilgrimage. Now I myself am not a Catholic, but I do teach in a Catholic high school. And seeing as I'm teaching about Catholic pilgrimage, I thought it was worth talking to someone who knows all about it. Thank you so much to Andy Lewis, who is an RE teacher from Essex. What's great about this interview is that you've got the perspective of someone who's done it for a number of years and I'm trying to confirm and check with him my own understanding and to see if it's correct, see if it's accurate. And I think by the end of it I really was able to have a fairly sympathetic view of why people take part in it. And actually Andy left it with a bit of an interesting appeal for people like myself to maybe go on a pilgrimage. And he said that maybe he said that maybe we'd find something that was potentially life-changing, even if we weren't converted to the Catholic faith itself. So, Andy, <laughs> <laughs> pilgrimage is slight, a slightly weird thing to me. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a Catholic Christian, and Catholics are really into pilgrimage. So can you just help me into this for a moment? Have you been on pilgrimage? I have, yeah, a number of times. I've been to Lourdes in France quite a lot of times. I've been to Walsingham, been to Lisieux in France. Certainly, I think for young Catholics, it, 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 there's almost kind of a rite of passage in this country, certainly with kind of diocese youth service trips. Lourdes being the big one there, and that's, that's how I went to Lourdes a number of times. In those kind of very formative years, the first trip I went on, there was about 90 people. But by the time I was kind of a, a leader, at kind of 20, 21, there was best part of 200 young people from, from Brentwood Diocese, which is largely Essex, East London. We would travel for a week at the, the start of the summer holidays. And, you know, there was as much as there was something, you know, beautiful and, and, and wonderful about going to Lourdes and the, the miracles obviously associated with it. I think there was a sense of community amongst young people and for someone like myself who was Catholic but didn't go to a Catholic secondary school, I all of a sudden found lots of other young Catholic people and you know got to know them. There's that kind of real sense of I'm, I'm kind of not alone anymore and that kind of real um, solidarity and community was, was really really strong. The way you're talking about it at the moment, I know there's other layers to it but it sounds a bit like a year 11 student might talk about going to the prom it's sort of it's like a thing that you kind of you build up to is part of being in year 11 um, and so it yeah. kind of it seems like being part of a catholic youth tradition it's a, a pilgrimage yeah. is a kind of thing you would go on is that is that kind of parallel there would be different takes on it for like, sure yeah i mean it's, i suppose it is a bit of a, a right of passage in in some respects but i think it's really important in uh, perhaps for catholics in understanding your, your place within a bigger and wider church you know if I think about the fact that you know when I used to go to, to mass in my parish I'd be one of a handful of young people mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden where I accessed the youth service events I was suddenly part of something bigger and then you, you go to Lourdes and you're, you're one of literally hundreds of thousands of Catholics that are all coming together and praying the Hail Mary together and going to mass together and I then carried on going to Lourdes with a charity called the HCPT which takes children with a whole variety of different needs. And again, kind of, there's something really powerful in, you know, that inclusivity and celebration of diversity and disability and a whole range of, of kind of needs. And again, kind of being in 
trust mass there. I mean, trying to get your head around the idea of kind of celebrating mass with 10,000 people is just, you know, quite mind blowing. When we're thinking about what is the Catholic Church, Italian Catholics and French Catholics and American Catholics, everyone's kind of coming together and you understand you're in this global church. And then you going into the grotto at Lourdes at night would literally take my breath away. So you say you didn't go to a Catholic high school, but you were a cat. You are a Catholic. Mm. So there you are, sandwiched in among all these different people from many different corners of the world. So you're getting a sense of who you are and the commu- the wider community that you are part of. But then, how does it take? How did it take your breath away? I don't know what it is about the the, the grotto, and it's it's fascinating. Can you just um, explain what the of, grotto is? Yeah, the grotto is the, the the cave where Mary appeared to Bernadette just over 150 years ago. Bernadette, a poor young girl, had this apparition of Mary. Um, testing my memory here, I think it was 18 apparitions where where Mary delivered different messages to to Bernadette. And you know, when you visit there today. The cave is there where Mary appeared as a statue in the place where where she was. There's the water because one of the requests was to dig and there would be a spring. I wouldn't say as healing properties. I think that would be slightly inaccurate. But a number of people have been healed and bathing in the water is, is kind of associated with that that sense of healing. And obviously it's got the natural kind of connections to, to, to baptism and, and, and so on. But Lourdes is a, a place for the sick and always has been. There's then all that, the history and the traditions that have grown out of that. And, you know, one of the other things that Mary asked was for a church to be built, people to come in procession. You've kind of got every night, you've got the torchlight procession, which again, you know, you've got thousands of people or walking and singing in prayer and, you know, holding candles aloft. And it's that kind of ritual, always has a natural appeal about the Catholic Church, doesn't it? It smells and it smells. When that kind of all comes together and then you've got the, the grotto and a friend of mine who I used to go with, with the HCPT, who was not Catholic, he was always like, I don't know what happened here, but something special, something important, something happened here. A friend of mine is a priest. It was going to Lourdes that, that convinced him to be a priest. And he always talks about it being kind of a where a corner of heaven touches earth. There's something very special about that place that sometimes, you know, you can't always put your finger on. Let me come back to you on this, because it it, it sounds like your, your friend who wouldn't accept the Christian faith, but also yourself, it seems like you're being touched by some sort of transcendent presence, some beyond experience is that does that seem fair is that quite a common thing for people on pilgrimage definitely and i, I think you know it does have that that sense of the, the, the numinous a sense of the, the transcendence that you know there is there is something happening here that i can't quite put my finger on i can't quite express that i think is is something that draws you in it has an appeal although i, I hasten to add that i think Lourdes is quite unique in regards to the place of pilgrimage. A lot of people that have been there w- would probably talk about it in very similar ways to myself, mm. but I wouldn't say that would be a universal description okay. of all pilgrimage. Can I just check some of my own understanding of pilgrimage and see if you can sort of modify it? Because maybe it's that's a useful place to start. Mm. One of the things I've often said when I'm trying to teach about pilgrimage to my students who maybe don't have any interest in those things is I've often tried to describe it as being almost rehearsing the footsteps. It seems to be that you're revisiting some of the locations and places and almost stepping back into a sense of history. So it's almost like you're 
rehearsing things. There is that strong connection. I think, you know, it's why the Holy Land remains a, a popular place of pilgrimage and was probably the first place of pilgrimage. I only found this out, you know, over the last few years. I work at a Franciscan school and, and the Franciscans were the, the guardians of the Holy Land, you know, were the first people to kind of institute the ideas of the Stations of the Cross. And again, if you think that the Stations of the Cross are essentially a, a pilgrimage that happens within a church, that journey, that, that physical movement around the church, you know, that that was for people that couldn't go to the Holy Land. You know, to, to visit Lourdes, you are standing in a cave where you believe that Mary appeared 18 times and Saint Bernadette knelt and prayed. And when you kneel in that grotto, you're kneeling where she knelt and you're, you know, under the very spot where Mary appeared. And there's then that deep connection. I think it's for, for students that are perhaps not religious in any way, it would be like a Man United fan doing a tour of, of Old Trafford Stadium. You are you are in some ways trying to build a connection to, to work towards salvation, to be um, in that very real sense inspired by the lives of the saints. You know, it's, it does feel a bit of a cliched phrase to, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, but to go to Jerusalem and walk the, the Via Dolorosa, the route of the cross, you know, I haven't done that, but you know, I'd, I, I'd love to because how could you not feel close to Jesus by walking the route that he did. You are walking literally in his footsteps, but um, as I said, I, I sometimes feel it, it becomes a bit of a watered down phrase, but that is what you're doing. Related to this is the relationship between the little boxes that we live in week by week. So as a school teacher, my life is very much conditioned by the bell ringing every hour or so. <laughs> or by the next Zoom lesson or whatever it might be. And mm. there's these very kind of tight structures that we live within. Because those things don't exist, it often you just think in a very different kind of way. I mean, is that part of your experience? Does that seem fair? Yes, but I think also there's sometimes a different routine. And even in Lourdes, when I have talk like procession in the evening, when mass takes place, there's a timetable that's perhaps a bit out of your control. A collective community, you enter into someone else's timetable. That's a timetable that includes moments of prayer. And Teze, there's times where you're forced into a period of silence or into Bible reflection. And, you know, certainly the first time I went, I was a bit like, well, hang on a minute, I don't want to be told when I have to be silent. And when I have to study the Bible, I'd kind of like to do that on my own terms. Then I really got into the rhythm of it. While you're talking about it, there's something very interesting that's coming to mind, which is, I think, in a lot of western culture there's a sense of individualism like so for example something's called an iphone quite rightly because it's i it's my own little space my own little bubble whereas the way you're talking here is you're saying you're suddenly in this massive group that are doing something that's bigger than just the individual and it's like the individual is fitting into a much bigger obvious kind of routine and there is something about being drawn into a much more collective thing almost outside of your choice. I mean, I've heard Muslims talk in this way about how there's this idea of, you know, they're all praying at the same time towards mm. Mecca and this sort of sense of awe that you're part of something much bigger. And it's not even as if you're choosing to connect with that. It's almost like the thing is just drawing you into itself. Does that seem fair? Because yeah, that's, that's quite a big thing for us in the West, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's that it's almost that deliberate inter interruption. And in my school, one of the things that we, we do kind of in normal times during Lent and Advent is uh, we stop at midday to pray the Angelus. So we can join with the rest of the church in, in, in prayer at midday. Is that, that disruption 
and taking it, you're quite right, taking it away from the eye. I think it's probably why there's more appeal for these things than ever before, because it is a disruption. So much of our lives, and perhaps even more so at the minute, everyone kind of working from home, a lot of it is on your own terms. I am dictating my life and when I do things to when I have my lunch and, you know, Muslim brothers and sisters, that you know, that, that routine of prayer, that there's an appeal for having something that you're kind of conforming to that isn't your, your choice. I think you're right in what you're saying, that it's definitely an appeal. Is there anything that you would want to add very briefly to kind of summarise or to try and conclude how we've spoken? With pilgrimage, a lot of people would get it, even if they were not Catholic or even Christian, if they did it. And I think they would find something in it that they enjoyed, that they liked, that maybe they wouldn't be able to quite explain whatever their religious persuasion was. I think they would find it quite a fascinating experience, possibly life-changing, not necessarily talking about it converting them to the Catholic faith. I'm not, you know, suggesting that, but I think... I think everyone who goes on pilgrimage is changed mm. in some way or another. You could argue that that is the Holy Spirit at work. You know, that the skeptic might say, is it kind of just that kind of group think? But, you know, there are places that exist for, for Christians, for Muslims, which, which do change lives. To be open-minded about them, you might discover something new. You might discover something new about yourself. Well, thank you, Andy. And thanks for your participation in this series. If you have any feedback on these episodes, please get in touch. There's a contact page on the website and I'm always interested to hear your views. Thanks for watching.